Hello, and welcome to the Forest of the Fae. Here on Pop Culture Fae, we take a look at movies, TV, comics, and other popular media through the lens of the queer folks of society. I am Miller C. Lashbrook, and I am your host on your journey through the Forest of the Fae. This week on Pop Culture Fae, I will first share my thoughts on the Disney Pixar film Lightyear, now that it has hit Disney+. And afterward, I will speak with Tanya Galignanis, a media specialist at a Florida public high school, uh, the school that I work at, actually. Uh, and we're going to discuss the current state of attempted media censorship um, in the Florida public school system and talk about attempts at silencing LGBTQ plus stories and what students, teachers, and parents can do to make sure that their students have access to diverse stories. Um, I think with everything going on politically, these stories may seem to be separate, but they do kind of fit together thanks to some of the conversation around Lightyear as a movie as well. So uh, that's our episode for this week. Uh, That's what it will be about, and I hope you enjoy. Alrighty, it is time for Faye News. In Faye News, this is a segment where on Pop Culture Faye, I cover any big entertainment news that caught my eye this week. So in general news, uh, there was a lot uh, that came out in regards to Discovery and Warner Brothers merger and their uh, first earnings call for their um, shareholders. And a lot of information came out about the company's future. Uh, In some general news, we did find out that Discovery Plus and HBO Max will both be uh, a thing of the past very soon. And a new combined streaming service, which they have not said what the name will be of that. But it will launch sometime in summer 2023. And it will seek to target the audiences of both services. So seemingly the service will have uh, the content that both have now combined. Uh, they did say that the this new this new service, excuse me, will focus mostly on unscripted content in terms of its new content and that scripted content will come from um, their other uh, their other their other corners of the company, such as their theatrical releases or um, traditional HBO shows. In Marvel news, um, in terms of the MCU, Patton Oswald says that there may be an Eternals two that is working on in an interview. We learned that Shea Coulee has been cast uh, in Ironheart. If you're not sure who that is, she is a winner of RuPaul's Drag Race uh, and just a very popular drag queen. Um, Many fans are speculating on 
who she could play, possibly the character Dark Vale from the X-Men comics, because that character is a drag queen um, mutant, but um, we shall see who she is going to play. Also in MCU news, She-Hulk is now moving to Thursdays. So rather than premiering on Wednesdays, She-Hulk will now premiere on August 18th. That's a Thursday. And all the episodes that follow will premiere on Thursday as well. So we just talked about last week on the podcast, the overlap of Marvel and Star Wars content on Disney Plus and how that could have hurt um, Ms. Marvel as a show. And it seems that maybe Disney is seeing this as well. Also, uh, Moon Knight Season 2 might be in the works, according to a cryptic video uh, posted online featuring Oscar Isaac in Cairo. So interesting development there. In DC News, uh, we got an official announcement for... Uh, Joker 2, which is set to release October 4th, 2024, featuring Lady Gaga as none other than Harley Quinn. Uh, We learned that the Flash TV series is going to be ending after season nine, and that will be the last kind of surviving Arrowverse show. Also, the big DC news for this week uh, Batgirl was canceled. This was a movie that was set to premiere as an HBO Max original. Uh, all the principal photography had been finished on this movie as well. So very unheard of in Hollywood for a movie to finish filming and then be shelved. Uh, and some uh, are the company is saying that quality was really the big thing here. Uh, some fans who are fans of the DCEU are scared that this is a sign that it is on its way out. Other fans um, of the Snyderverse are saying that this is a sign that the Snyderverse is back because Michael Keaton was going to be reprising, reprising his role as Batman in this movie. Um, all around... Very interesting news out of um, Warner Brothers Discovery with that development. Also on the heels of that, many fans are speculating that Aquaman 2 and Shazam may be delayed as well, but that has yet to be seen. In Star Wars news, we got a new trailer for Andor, the upcoming Disney Plus series. In Disney news... um, There is a trailer for a Cars Disney Plus series, Cars on the Road. Um, In movie news, Prey released on HBO, or sorry, on Hulu, not HBO. (laughs) That is a Predator prequel movie. Bullet Train hit theaters this week. And in other movie news, this came out of all the Warner Brothers news. A sequel to the Scoob animated movie, which had mostly been finished, was canceled as well. In gaming news, we had a Pokemon Presents this past week where a new trailer was revealed for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, revealing the new kind of game mechanic for this new generation and some new things about the region and some new Pokemon as well. So that concludes the Fey news for this week.
Alrighty, for our first segment this week, I wanted to take a moment to kind of share my thoughts on the film Lightyear. Now, um, I know this movie came out in theaters at the beginning of the summer, back in June, so it might seem weird that I'm talking about it now. However, <laughs> my um, my first um, time watching it was this weekend uh, when it hit because it hit Disney Plus this past week. So first I'm going to talk about why I didn't see it in theaters because I am someone who I see a, I see a lot of big movies as they go to theaters, especially when it comes to um, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, um, DC, um, Harry Potter, uh any kind of big franchise movie, I like to go see it in theaters. And uh, Pixar is definitely one of those kind of umbrellas that a lot of times I'll go see the film in theaters. Um, so partially, uh, June was kind of a busy month with some travel, visiting family. That was um, part of the reason, um, in particular, the weekend that Lightyear came out we were out of town. So that was partially <clears throat> why we opted not to see it. Um, other content was coming out around that time with uh, Stranger Things, Umbrella Academy, The Boys. Uh, so there was a lot of content to keep um, our eyes occupied. <laughs> and life just got the better of us. And then on top of that, hearing some of the genuine criticism of the movie, not the <laughs> not the uh, blustering fake criticism of the film, uh, that did kind of turn us a little off on the movie as well. So those were all kind of factors that affected our wanting to or lack thereof wanting to see the uh to see the film so and by the time we we did think we wanted to see it it was no no longer in really the big premium screens at our theaters nearby and we knew it was going to be coming to disney plus down the pipeline anyway so we thought we might as well wait um we watched this film like i said this past weekend and it was great. <laughs> I genuinely enjoyed watching this movie. Um, I definitely can understand this movie would not be everybody's cup of tea. Um, and I, I, There's plenty of Pixar movies like that. I mean, I am not even going to go into the Cars movies were not made for me. And I am... <laughs> And I do not very much care for them. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are other Pixar films, which I do enjoy, which I know people might not care for. Wally, for instance. Um, I adore that movie, but I know it's a lot of people's, uh, it's lower down on a lot of people's Pixar film list uh, because some people find it boring. Uh, and I think in terms of genuine criticism, that was a lot of what I saw with this is that it didn't excite 
people in the way that other Pixar films tend to um, kind of excite people. The And this is going to be kind of a spoiler-free thoughts on the movie, by the way. I realize I had not said, said that yet. Um, this movie, uh, and this is not a spoiler because it's it pops up on the screen as the movie opens, and they've said it in marketing. Uh, Lightyear is meant to be the movie that Andy watched as a kid that made him want to buy Buzz as a toy. So we're essentially watching a movie that is set inside the larger Toy Story franchise. It was a, it's a movie with, within a movie then, if you will, or a movie within a movie universe. Um, I know some have said like maybe having, instead of it just being text on the screen, having some sort of prologue and epilogue of like Andy in the theater would have been cool. Um, I, I could have, I could see that as a choice being made. Maybe we get Andy watching it as a kid in the theater. And then maybe we flash forward to like Bonnie discovering, um, the movie as like an epilogue that would have been interesting, but I don't think it's needed for the film as like a piece of art. Um, I think that would have just helped to give it context for those fans of the Toy Story films. And even I know some of the other criticisms, um, having a different voice actor playing Buzz in, in this movie, having Chris Evans here rather than Tim Allen, uh, they're like, but Buzz's voice is Tim Allen. <laughs> but a lot of times the voice on a toy is not the official actor from a film. So I think there's kind of a funny meta nature to that, uh, that kind of fits with what this movie is supposed to be. Um, in that regard, if you frame it that way, this movie, I mean, cause Andy's a kid of the nineties and he's going watching this space ranger movie and then wants to go get this toy. This movie very much plays like, a 90s sci-fi action film that kind of glorifies space in a way like a lot of movies did in the 80s and 90s and um it has that kind of um aliens or um <laughs> kind of blade runner look at space a little bit in the way that things are designed um specifically some of the the setting um and locations at like buzz's space station remind me a lot of how um 90s tv kind of depicted um science fiction um space stations and things of that nature like um the power rangers lost galaxy season or things like um star trek Voyager or Deep Space Nine, kind of that aesthetic of things being kind of prefab, like manufactured space stations or spaceships with like a little bit of an aesthetic, but almost like a cookie cutterness to them too. I feel like the movie tried to capture that feeling. Um, and all those things that I just listed off, aliens, 
Power Rangers, Lost Galaxy, Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I like all of those things. So for me, that was cool. And I, I really liked this. I liked that it was kind of a an animated movie take on that um, with beautiful animation, beautiful vistas at times in the movie, very cinematic shots at different points and a story that I, I cared about. I wanted Buzz to succeed as a character. I wanted to see him do well. I cared about his arc as a character and I cared about the characters surrounding him as well. Um, it's definitely like more low key than sci-fi films of today. And so maybe that's why it turned off some people uh, and it's definitely more low key than a lot of like family animated movies of today too. Definitely um, more laid back, not laid back, but more, um, I guess picturesque would be the vibe that I would say this film has as opposed to like the manic nature of a series like Despicable Me or the Minions franchise when we're talking about animated films. Um, I think in terms of modern Pixar movies, this movie uh, has a, I guess I would put it in the kind of sensibilities with Onward, which similarly did not do well but that one that movie was like came out right before the pandemic really hit the united states uh, and that really impacted the movie but um i think i can definitely tell that pixar is in kind of this era of really like finding its new voice in itself they don't want to just be doing cookie cutter sequels but they and they want to kind of still experiment and re think outside the box, but they also want to like make movies that people will want to go see and that will make a bunch of money and be able to be merchandised and all of that. Um, so that all being said, uh, the, the last thing I want to talk about here with Lightyear <laughs> that I think definitely needs to be mentioned in a discussion of this on a podcast that focuses on looking at pop culture from a queer lens is the fact that this film was um, largely targeted by conservative communities because of it containing LGBTQ plus um, characters explicitly. So um, when I say explicitly, I don't mean that there was inappropriate content. I just mean that there was a character that watching the movie was stated as being queer. It was not implied. It was not subtext. It was textual. Um, and, but to say that this is like groundbreaking representation. No, it is not. Um, the, there is a character who mentions getting engaged to uh, she mentions getting engaged to another woman in passing when her, her fiance is not even present. She literally shows her ring and mentions um, her fiance. And then in a later scene, we briefly for maybe a second or two, we see her and her fiance 
um, give each other a little peck on the kiss when her when she walks in the door. We see her pregnant. We see that they have kids. That is it. Um, the uh, like. I'm not gonna like. We need all the representation we can get. So on one hand, I am hesitant to criticize the film for like being. Um, for acting like this was like huge representation but i think more of the conversation was from conservative people trying to target this film um especially in the wake of everything going on uh with disney as a company fighting with uh ron DeSantis, the governor of florida and everything that he is trying to do to target the lgbtq plus community um and work against them in his own state um and it just makes me sad because I feel like there are a lot of people who would really enjoy this film for the kind of nostalgic 90s um, hopeful look at space exploration and um, science fiction stories. There are a lot of people that would really enjoy this movie that are going to miss out because of these preconceived notions of this film. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of kids that this could have been their gateway film into loving science fiction and they're going to miss out on it because of the, this talk around the movie, which quite frankly, like I don't even know if a kid would have even noticed the kiss because it was so quick and in a montage and really in terms of Buzz's story as a character didn't really impact. He just had a coworker, who happen to be a lesbian and have kids like it's like blink and you miss it pretty much. Um, and I don't know. It just, it, it makes me one. It makes me feel guilty for not having seen the movie in theaters. So I could have financially supported it in theaters, but it also just makes me frustrated um, to think that something this small such a small aspect of the film is enough to upset hateful people um and it makes me very much worried for the future of representation in um franchises like star wars and marvel and future disney and pixar films um and so i just hope that this is that this is not looked at by the disney company as a failure when it comes to um their path of slowly including more queer representation in their media um i i hope that they don't look at the box office as attributed to that representation and rather look at the film they made overall and its perception on a larger scale in terms of the quality of the film and whether or not this was the right film for um, right now and what people are looking for in their animated entertainment. Um, if you want some more detailed thoughts on Lightyear, I am going to do a written review on the Pop Culture Fay blog that will probably go up sometime this week. Uh, with school starting this week, things are a little all over the place, so I'm figuring out my new schedule with everything. Uh, but 
that will go up at some point this week. So um, let me know what you think. If you've seen Lightyear, um, let me know on social media or um, yeah, let me know on social media what you thought of the movie. And if you haven't yet seen it, let me know what stopped you from seeing it in theaters. I'd be really interested to hear um, what your thoughts are on it. Um, it's definitely an interesting kind of, I don't want to say a postmortem of a movie, of a movie's box office, but uh, definitely interesting look at like what brings people to movies and what gets people to go to the theaters and pay to see a movie in theaters. Uh, so share your thoughts uh, on social media. I'll be interested to see and have a great conversation about it. Uh, next up, we are going to have uh, I'm going to interview a friend of mine um, on a similar topic when we're talking about um, political targeting of queer media. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation coming up. Okay, we are here with Tanya Gagnanis. She is a um, media specialist at the high school that I work <laughs> at in the state of Florida. We work at a public high school. We're not going to say what the name of the school is or the district. Um, and she is here to talk about everything going on, uh, but also... <laughs> Here to talk How much about. Time do I have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also to share some good book recommendations because I think that will be key as well uh, in part of this conversation because we always want to share recommendations mm -hmm. with people. So, um, hello. Hi. Tanya. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, go ahead and tell the audience a little about about what you do. Maybe they might not know what a media specialist is. Um, yeah, tell them about that. Okay, so in very simple terms, I'm a book pusher. <laughs> <laughs> like um, uh, Tina Fey and yeah. Mean Girls, I'm a pusher. I'm a pusher. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, my job is to make sure that our library, our school library, is a safe space for all of our kids and our teachers. And it's a place where they can be free to select whatever they want to read. And... Um, they can just sit and play cards or they can sit and read. They can sit and do homework. My job is to make sure that our media center represents every patron that we have, all our demographics. And it has a robust professional library for our teachers and it's a safe space for the kids. So you're not like coming up to kids and like shushing them. You're, you don't fit the, the librarian stereotype. No, no shushers allowed. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, it's so interesting. During lunch, I'll sometimes come in here, mm -hmm. and it's very like antithetical to what movies describe libraries to be like, because um, it's always like these grand, like dark mahogany wooden bookshelves, and like this lady with her hair in a tight pony or a tight bun that's shushing, and the. And while, yeah, that's a great, like, study environment, it's not a great environment for, like, learning and collaboration, right? Exactly. And so you're here to really make it a space where kids can grow. They can grow. They can be themselves. They can explore. They mm -hmm. can find that book because a lot of times the kids tell me, I don't like to read. 
And I always tell them, it's not that you don't like to read, it's that you haven't found the right book. And it's hilarious when I ask them, so what do you like? And he goes, I just told you I don't like to read. I'm like, I didn't ask you what you like to read. I asked <laughs> you what you like to do. Yeah. Because I that goes in hand in hand with finding a book that is going to speak to them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the books are just stories about people. And if you can find that interest, you can find the right book. Exactly. So... The would you say that like the old idea of a library and media is kind of like also fading out of like what a library should be? Absolutely. Because that's part of like academia that tries to keep certain people out, right? Make it less welcome, make it uninviting. And intimidating. And, and intimidating, yeah. I we don't want our media centers to be intimidating. And one really good thing that our district is doing and has been doing is making sure that our media centers have collaborative spaces and that they have maker spaces. We do have um, some maker spaces area for our students because of the amount of students that we have. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to do it during their lunchtime and their free time, but I do have groups of students that come in during class or teachers tell them, hey, you can go in and they work with our 3D printers or they work with other things that we do have um, available for them in the media center. Yeah, what would you say the capacity is of, of our media center here, probably? Well, officially, according to the fire department, it's 96. <laughs> it's 96? 96. And so for listeners to give you an idea of how many students we have on our campus, we have over 2,700 students that at is our correct. school. So, yeah, a, a, a media center that can't fit 100 <laughs> is very small for that many students. So you're, you, you organize the chaos. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is organized chaos, and it's beautiful sound, quite honestly. it's yeah. I dislike it when it's quiet. I dislike it when it's not being utilized. Were you, when you were in school, what was your study environment that you liked? Okay, so in school, I went to a very small Christian private school. So our I still remember our library was like on the third floor. And it was maybe like a third of what our media center is right now. Mm-hmm. And I have a, I had a wonderful librarian, but it was very quiet. And it was always, I was always shushed because I've never <laughs> been quiet. <laughs> so I was always shushed. Um, studying as a high schooler, I always had music on. I yeah. always had background noise on. Um, when I had to go, because I grew up in Puerto Rico, so there's not a whole lot of public libraries available. You either had to go to your school library, or once I got a car, I was able to go to the um, University of Puerto Rico's library mm-hmm. to do my research and, and such. And um, that is very intimidating, and that is very quiet. Yeah. Um, but my ideal environment, I have music on. Yes, same, <laughs> uh, same. I I like like a coffee house kind mm-hmm. of like environment like not too loud of music, but maybe put on like some lo-fi music or like some movie or acoustic, instrumentals yeah. or something or even some like acoustic music, and yeah I would the coffee shop on the first floor of my university's library was my kind of like sweet spot. You'd get up our our library was um, each floor you went up mm-hmm. had to get quieter. Yeah, and so yeah, so the fifth floor was like dead quiet it would make me so uncomfortable the air is like so thick right um and as someone who's neurodivergent like i just can't focus when there is absolute silence it's too quiet yeah um okay so let's get into it okay um now that we kind of went off on that tangent (laughs) 
Um, so in light of everything going on in the state of Florida, um, what is, um, what, how would you describe it from your perspective as a media specialist? What is happening with media censorship in Florida public schools? So it's really funny because I was reading, um, I'm, I love Judy Bloom. And um, I've had people who, like older people, who's like, I don't like Judy Bloom because there's cussing in her books. But quite honestly, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret when I was growing up. <laughs> so for perspective, I only know about that book because of the joke that Deadpool makes yeah. in the first Deadpool movie. Uh, so... For listeners, in case they're not familiar with the book, could you, like, describe a little bit? like? So, basically, Margaret is this girl who is going through puberty. Okay. And, um, Trying her, times, right? Yep. Yeah. And her parents, <laughs> just like parents from that era, they don't talk much about it. Basically, they don't say a thing about it. And it's up to the school to tell the kids in sex ed what's going on. And, obviously, the information is limited. So, she gets... Um, information from friends that have gone through all that. Mm. I am uh, a late in life child. I'm the youngest of eight kids. So when my when I was growing up, my parents were basically um, that puberty did not exist in my house. <laughs> That's how that it way. was for me too. <laughs> so I I grew up my my mom's Presbyterian and my stepdad is Catholic. So the it was very similar. The like sex didn't that's no. not a thing we and were dropped off by a stork yeah the yeah and, and then, everything is taboo and if school did actually my school did a good job about doing the talk i was in fifth grade when they did the talk mm -hmm. but just like margaret's the talk yeah. it was just not um not enough. So, yeah. are you there, guys? Me, Margaret. That title comes because Margaret is also she comes from a Jewish family, but her parents are not religious, and she is in a neighborhood where the new friends she just moved to this new neighborhood, and her friends mm -hmm. are religious. So she's like, "Let me give this praying thing a, a try." <laughs> so that's so why. she's not sure if exactly. God is there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So she's going through the whole religious um, uncertainty plus her. Puberty. She doesn't know what's going on with her body. Mm -hmm. And um, the cool thing about that book is that my mom bought it for my sisters when they were about that age. They saved it and they gave it to me mm. when I was in like middle elementary, third, fourth grade, something like that. And so even though they didn't feel comfortable having the talk with you, that was kind of their way of bridging that gap a little oh, bit yeah. with you? They okay. provided books. My dad was a huge reader. My dad... Um, grew up during the depression he only went to school until the eighth grade but he had his own business and everything and I remember the the centerpiece in my house was a huge bookcase it, it covered mm -hmm. a wall that he built for all his books he was very self-taught and he was a reader and he instilled a love of books and on now you're all a media of us. specialist and my <laughs> sister's in education my niece is another media specialist mm -hmm. <laughs> so we he did create a huge legacy because of books and it's funny you say that like if knowing me as a person and what i love what do you think my houses were built around like the focus mm -hmm. focal point of my houses were um books plays comic books 
a TV. TV? Yeah. The, I'm such a big TV and movie person, right? True. And so... But and, I still hear you talk about comic books a lot, and we talk, you and I have a lot of conversations about books. Well, I didn't discover comics until, um, until I started going to the public library in high school. So the public library had graphic novel collections at there, at there, and I discovered it that way. Yeah. So my avenue in was movies and TV and everything. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, especially like being dyslexic, that was a huge way for me yeah. to like get develop my reading skills um, and everything, kind of catch up. Um, so what would you say? So in, going back, yeah, yeah going back going, to media yeah. censorship. Sorry, I go yeah. off the tangent. Um, no, it's all good. Going back to what's going on in Florida. So, anyways, I was reading about Judy Bloom um, because they ask, they keep asking her. She her books, not just Are You There, God It's Me, Margaret, but a lot of her books have been challenged throughout. If you go to um, a ALA, um, American Library Association ALA's mm-hmm. um, list, they have their list of of challenges challenge. throughout yeah. the years, mm-hmm. and she shows up. And she shows up a lot in the 80s. For for listeners, if you want to have like a nice like shock, yeah. go to that list from the American, it's the American Library Association, their list of challenged books. And you've read at least four or five books oh, on yeah. that list. Because y- you would be astounded how even the simplest things get challenged exactly and if you want a little bit more information you can go to um bandbooksweek.org and they will like it would the infographics will tell you why they were challenged this book was challenged because of this so anyway she's been one of the people that has been most challenged and she's still alive so now that all this wave is going on she was like you know what this happened 40 years ago you just you know batten down the hashes you you Stand well, this is—it's like um, the Satanic Panic Part Two, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what we're going through. Yeah. The and it's funny with like Stranger Things, yes. kind of getting off topic because they dealt with that right w- uh-huh. with the newest season with like D and D culture and them thinking that Eddie is like uh, demonic yeah. and satanic and everything. Um, and it's like, okay, that was like almost forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, let's kind of move on as a society. <laughs> And it's cyclical because it's happening again. And yeah. it's it like just like it was forty years ago, it is politically motivated. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's it's in people's platforms and it just irritates the heck out of me that while the grown ups are playing political musical chairs, mm-hmm. who's getting hurt are the kids. Yeah. And our teachers. Yeah. And so what are you um what are you doing? as a media specialist to make sure that in light of everything, kids still have access to diverse points of view? Um, I am a firm believer that books should either be a mirror or a window. Oh, for sure. you either can see yourself in a book, and I firmly believe our kids need to see themselves in books, and or it will give you a window to somebody else's life, to somebody else's perspective. I like to think of books like A Viewfinder. Exactly. Right? That... The, I mean, growing up lower middle class, mm-hmm. a viewfinder was the only way I was ever going to see some places, right? And so that's kind of how you treat a book. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but continue. Sorry. And yeah. no, no, no. That's it, and that's a great analogy as far as um, how to how to view a book. And um, as a media specialist, I'm making sure that I do provide access to all of our kids. And I listen to them. Um, there's a space in our school website that they can actually suggest books. And I tell them, I can't promise you that I'm going to buy it. 
Mm -hmm. um, because it has to have some literary value um, as far as for me to use instructional funds for it. <laughs> but um, I, I filled it out a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I really do look at it. I really do listen to the kids and they will come to me and hopefully I have built and I'm building relationships with the kids that they can come to me and ask for specific topics, specific subjects, or even when they don't know, I can say, well, yeah. you know, I, if I know a little bit about them, I can suggest something that they can either see a window to or a mirror in those books. But as a media specialist, I am fighting the good fight. I am looking for those diverse books. I mm -hmm. am um, encouraging my kids to speak up. If they are not happy about something or about a decision that has been made, I encourage them to speak not necessarily to administration or their teacher because we have our hands tied. I'm encouraging them to go and speak at our school board meeting, and I tell them. Yeah, because like, more often than not, the peop the teachers or the admin are just... We have our hands tied. Yeah, and it it's really school boards and mm -hmm. state departments of education that are responsible for these decisions exactly yeah so that's I'm, I'm trying to make sure that they're aware and that they have a voice our kids have a voice and yes. they need to use it and i think more than ever the past couple of years more and more people are talking about um like how detrimental to unbiased information mm -hmm. like algorithms have become with like right. social media and uh even like google like giving you catered answers to what they think you want to hear exactly and so having something like a media center or a library that is just open and you can pull a book off the shelf and read and learn without any bias it with because the book doesn't want to the book's not going to give you a TikTok that they think you want to watch right exactly the book is just the book and so much can happen from there mm -hmm. agreed um, so how can LGBTQ plus youth access stories about themselves if their classrooms or media centers do not have them? Um, especially we're hearing about stories in certain districts mm -hmm. in the state where classroom libraries are being thrown out or being banned altogether um, or where books are being pulled off of shelves. What can LGBTQ plus youth do to still be able to access those stories? Um, a lot of a lot of times, and I'm just going to go off on a tangent here, a lot of times go ahead. <laughs> um, classroom libraries are being um, emptied or thrown out because people are scared. Mm -hmm. They're scared and they're self-censoring. And that is something that I, am fi I fight against it mm -hmm. within myself and within my peers. Because, yeah, because like our district yeah. is beholden to the same laws as others in our state, and we have our classroom libraries. Still. Exactly. So it really is either the district or the teacher or the admin being scared. Exactly. Yeah. But continue. Sorry. I, I no, I have a few librarians who are like, "Hey, what about this book?" I'm like, "What about it?" Yeah. And they're like, "Well," but I'm like, "There's nothing. There's nothing in that book that breaks the law. Is it some? Is it a theme that is going to be a little bit strong or shocking? Yeah." But there's nothing mm -hmm. in there that breaks the law. So yeah. don't make a big deal out of it if you don't have to. Like, if you don't have to pull it, if you don't have to put an advisory on it, then don't do it. Just leave it alone. I mean, how long have we been teaching Romeo and Juliet as a play for freshmen in high school? Exactly. And it literally deals with teen suicide? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't think of it that way because it's Romeo and Juliet. It's a tragedy. All these it's a things. classic. It's a classic. It's yeah. literature. But, like... 
at its core, mm-hmm. they're like in stupid like high school romance, and they kill themselves because they can't be together. Like the <laughs> and yeah. the and like that's an intense theme for high schoolers to explore, uh, and like they can explore that but not explore mm-hmm. other themes. Exactly, yeah. and um, as far as our LGBTQ community, um, there's this website called We Need Diverse Books. They have great lists of queer literature. And um, that is um, a resource that I look at because I want to make sure that I have um, I have books that represent everybody. And We Need Diverse yeah. Books also have um, Latinx lists of yeah. books. It has... Um, um, african-american authors like you have different lists there so it's it i we need to make sure that we have a mix or that your library represents your population yeah because i mean it's not going to help a school that is like super diverse to be reading a bunch of books about straight white people (laughs) exactly no it's true (laughs) or like god forbid you have like a huge like jewish population Mm -hmm. and there's no books about Jewish people. Like exactly. the and our Muslim kids, our Asian kids. I yeah, am I am exactly. building my um my uh, Asian uh books from Asian authors. Not I'm not talking yeah. about translations, I'm talking about these authors yeah. that are amazing. And actually one of our books in the Florida Teen Reads is um the setting is in I, I wanna say Korea. And it's about a K-pop band, and it's it's um it's really cute. It's very cute. It's yeah. a very cute book. And um, so, our youth just need to the the resources are there. And if you have a good relationship with your media specialist and your teachers, ask because most uh, more often than not, we will get that for you. The um, public libraries, yes, recommend. Yes, yes. and we actually, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot because, yeah. and I and I use the public library like crazy. I mean, it's um, free, right? It but... is free, and your <laughs> you're youth... paying you pay for it with your taxes. Mm-hmm. And your yeah. youth um, services librarian will also have a very good um, selection. It might be that if the town is small enough, it might be a little bit limited. But the cool thing about it is that you can have you have part partnerships with other libraries and you can have interlibrary loans. And for example, if mom and dad live in another county, most of the time they can get a uh, library card from that county where they work it with with that address. So you have access to different libraries, not just the one from the county that you live in, but where mom and dad work or where you go to school. So let's say a listener is living, I don't know. Iowa. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of some state in the middle of the country. Okay. Uh, in a small town, not a lot of books in general in their library, let alone diverse voices. Would their public library be able to network with another library in their area to get books to them? Most of the times they do. And actually during the pandemic, the New York Public Library did have a program that they were actually loaning out books to mm-hmm. um, different states. Oh, as well. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, what about digital resources? Oh, digital resources. Um, a lot of times, actually not a lot of times, it's always digital resources are going to be um, depending on what, what your local library buys. Because okay. just like a um, a print book, your library book will have the, um, I have to buy that digital yeah. copy. And I buy either a year subscription or an unlimited subscription. 
So it is confined. So you would still need an interlibrary loan. Okay. But again, your public library has a ton of resources. resources. Yeah. Um, a lot of high school libraries are opening up their um, digital. There's we're we're spending more money on audiobooks and ebooks, and a lot of that had to do with the pandemic because the kids were they couldn't gone. get to school to check out books. Exactly. We left yeah. for spring break and we never came back. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully that will never happen again. But if it does, our for example yeah. at our school. Our audiobook and our um, ebook library, we are building it up. It has grown a lot in the last year and a half, and I'm going to continue to grow it. You try to almost one for one, right? Yes. When you get a physical book, you try to also get the audiobook or the ebook. An audiobook or ebook copy of it so that way you have both versions. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So. Um, what can educators, so kind of switching to the other side of things, what can educators do to fight this injustice and help their students in either little or small ways? Because we hear that like fighting injustice, we think of like they're going to run all the way up to Tallahassee <laughs> and, and, like, <laughs> and say some words to some people. But what are some things that they could be doing to help their students? To help their students, um, a lot of it is going to have to do with keeping those lines of communication open. Partner with your media specialist at your school. Mm-hmm. Partner with your youth services um, person in your local public library wants to help as well. And um, keep that open line of communication with the parents as well. Because sometimes they don't object so much as they have questions. Yeah. And... It's just sometimes it's a knee-jerk reaction. I think there are, there are a lot of hateful people in the mm-hmm. world, but I think there are way more people that just don't know. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know, and then somebody's telling them, oh, look, did you see this? And this is what your kids already know, that actually that book is not even in our media center. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something's taken out of context. Exactly. Or, or someone who's never even read the book says something about the book. <laughs> exactly. And encourage yeah. the kids to get involved as well. Because the kids, they, they want to do something, but they don't know what. Yeah. So encourage them. You know, write. One, one thing that I did last year was basically one of my kids was very upset and about the books that I had to pull for review without going through the process, which is another thing. And um, so I ended up telling him, hey, if you want to go ahead and... Um, if you're really upset about this, write a letter. And yep. if you don't want to go to the school board, I will read the letter for you. Yeah. And um, I I have that outlet for them. So. Yeah, I think in a country where they can't vote until they're 18, mm-hmm. so much emphasis is put on voting as a form of, like, civil discourse mm-hmm. that students feel trapped a lot of the time. Like, Decisions are being made about their education that they have no control over. Exactly. When they do have a voice. And sometimes their voice matters a way a lot more than teachers' voices. Oh, and they, <laughs> it's true. And I tell them, I'm like, Because people don't want to hear guys. from us, even though we're professionals with college degrees and training and years of experience. I tell them, like, they listen to you guys more than they listen to me. Yeah. Um, and contact your authors because guess what? The authors that you like of the books that you love, they want to help you. <laughs> because they want their books to be read. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They want to help you. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a neighboring county that they had pulled a book 
and um, it wasn't the author, but it was an organization. They went ahead and they purchased copies of the book. So the kids were outside during their school um, board meeting giving the book away. That's awesome. And and that was yeah. all student-led. The, and, and I mean, a lot of the times, too, with these books, especially the ones that are starting to get pulled, mm-hmm. like in these past couple of years, these are authors who they wrote these books because they didn't have books by people like them when they were in school. Exactly. And that's a lot of the motivation. Sometimes It just makes me sad thinking about it, that they fought through the whole ridiculousness of the publication process and how like biased that process already is to, mm-hmm. just to get traditionally published. And then on top of that, now their books are getting banned by schools. Like... And it's not even the schools. It's it's or, yeah. a small. It is a very small group of people. And and if you would real if if we start have looking, so in, many times they don't even have kids who go to the school district, no. or their kids went like ten years ago to the school district. And it's a very small yeah. group of people. It's like tiny. Yeah. But they're loud and they have money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's they have yeah the volume and money are like the biggest thing exactly yeah, and so. Would you say, if you do have the money donating to causes like where kids can get free books and and libraries are absolutely a great way to use help those teachers yeah. clear the list hashtag clear the list go to yeah. Twitter help the teachers and yeah donate that to list. their Amazon wish list mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um so what are some so let, let's move away from the 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 tough topics which oh my gosh thank you so much for being so knowledgeable by the way oh no no problem uh, I, i've had to like I as have someone the law, who works right? at your school thank you uh i even printed out the law right here <laughs> and the for i guess i'll say this for teachers first so much is on our plate sometimes mm-hmm. that remind yourself that you have people who you can reach out to your media specialist um, they would much rather spend their day oh, yes. uh, helping <laughs> teachers um, access resources books. and books than in meetings. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We're happy to co-teach <laughs> with you the day that you want to co-teach. We can, you know, plan a lesson with you. Definitely. Yeah. We, we are, I, when I say that I get depressed when the media center is empty, that is 100% true. Yes. <laughs> and then if you're a parent of a student, thank your media specialist because they don't see parents that often you you rarely ever see parents right yeah and very rarely because like you don't have any kids that are your students per se i'm using air quotes <laughs> and i can't yeah, see all, listeners all students all of the students are, are my your students, students. <laughs> but what that translates like you don't email with parents that often or or if ever and so if you're on a campus and you have a kid at the school swing by the media center and thank the media specialists because they're putting in so much work and they really get some of the least amount of recognition on your campus. Thank you, that's very sweet. And we will recommend yeah. a book for the parents too. So. Yes. <laughs> so what are some great um, young adult LGBTQ plus novels and stories that you would like to recommend? Okay, You're so. way more well-read than I am. I'm going to say that right now. I just... I, I'm... I love my comics. <laughs> I love my movies and TV. Um, but as someone who grew up dyslexic, 
it takes just a while for me to get through mm-hmm. a book. And so during Which the is school, why I get audiobooks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I do audiobooks, and that's yeah. how, how I do it. I, I swap between that and podcasts mm-hmm. with what I'm listening to in the car. Um, and so it just takes me a little bit longer. But I know you read a lot and because you, you want to know what your kids are reading. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. yeah. That's, that's the best way for me to be able to um, recommend a book for the kids. Yeah, you've got to know what they want to read. Absolutely. So, yeah, what are some great recommendations that you have? So, some of my favorite ones. Um, oh, thank you. So, um, yeah, I wrote them down. Um, the book that was on the um, Florida Teen Reads list last um, year, Date Me, Bryson Keller, is one of the um, – it's one of the best romance books that I have read. And I'll be honest, sometimes it's hard for me to look. This is, this is queer literature or this is LGBTQ because – I think we've gotten to a point that it's so prevalent that it's, it's in almost starting every, yes, to which is a romance. good thing. Yeah, which is a good thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's our library is genreified, so it's under romance. Yeah, I don't have it under anything else other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it as and as a parent, there's there's a part of it that made me cry because I do I do have a child um, part of the LGBTQ community, <laughs> and um, I'm reading this book and at one point I'm like bawling I'm outside the house of course in the in the front porch reading and I'm bawling and my husband's like oh my gosh what's wrong yeah. <laughs> I'm like this is so awesome um but so you were just reading a good book I was yeah. reading an amazing book <laughs> um so date me Bryson Keller is great like a love story oh my gosh um it's set in 1990 I'm dating myself here it's set in 1990 1989 1990 and that's the year that I was a senior in high school. So it took you back. It took me back. And again, I grew up in a very, um, my class had only 33 people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> small and, high uh, school. It's very yeah. small high school. Only 33 people and about 12 of us had been together since kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. And um, a few, after we did our, our reunion, a few of us um, are, uh, when we got together, I'm, I'm looking at, at, their partners and I'm like, oh, okay. I I didn't know you you were part of the LGBTQ community, which is yeah, cause, um, in they, the '80s you didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, and um, there was also the scare of AIDS and the stigma and all that. And mm-hmm. this book, like a love story, touches upon upon that. And then of course I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, I need to call every single one of my friends and tell them I'm sorry for not opening up that conversation, which I know it's stupid because in the yeah. 80s, really, you didn't think about opening, you just existed. You didn't even <laughs> know that you needed to open up that conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And and being a teenager is, is hard enough. Hard so. enough, yeah. But, you know, that's, that's the way I felt. So, um, and it does have a little connection to um, Florida. I'm not going to say anything else, but it's... Oh, okay. Yeah. As a spoiler... Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's really, it's a really good book. And um, Felix Ever After is um, about a transgender teen, and it taught me a lot. That book taught me so much. Like, I didn't know what dead naming was. I didn't, I knew nothing, next to nothing Yeah. about transgender. And that book just taught me so much so it's Felix Ever After is one of my favorite ones because of that and especially if you don't know much or you're confused about the whole subject yeah I mean if you're not a trans person it can the way that our society approaches gender it can be hard to kind of 
understand what a trans person goes through in their experience. Was it a, written in the first person? Yes, it's written in the first person. So, like, how powerful is that, too, that, like, you're in the head of the character. Mm-hmm. You're not just seeing a trans story, but you're experiencing it at, with that character. Yeah, it yeah. just taught me so much, um, which I loved. And then, last but not least, one that I love is Rapture Practice um, by Aaron Hartzler. That's an oldie but a goodie. But Aaron and I, I met our Aaron, we became friends. Oh. Um, Aaron and I had a very similar upbringing. And reading that book and trying to put myself in his shoes, when I met him, I was like, okay, so you, we need to talk. Because how did you do this? <laughs> and actually, he was one of the people that I talked to when my daughter came out to us. Mm-hmm. And um, she loves him. She, she just adores him. But I was <laughs> like, I don't know if I answered this correctly. <laughs> and he's like, so what did you answer? And, and he's like, no, that's good. That's perfect. But I knew that, that he was somebody who understood. Because me coming from, I grew up in Mennonite. So me coming from a very, very, very um, conservative Christian background, but my parents weren't very that, my parents weren't really that conservative. They were, um, like you were part of that world, yeah. but they were like kind of, they eased of the off road. with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were in the middle of the road, you know, they yeah. were very liberal in some things, but in other things, they were very conservative. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't have booze at my wedding. I'm like, no, 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 I'm having champagne. <laughs> <laughs> So that's not that's the hill I'm gonna With die how on. stressful a wedding is, there needs to be some kind of booze there. The, yeah. Maybe not liquor for some family members, right? Yeah. But you you at least need something there. Yeah, my mom's like, "There's no dancing." I'm like, "Oh no no no, I'm dancing with daddy." So you know, just wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it was just, but and some others like it. They were very liberal. Like yeah. there were there were always we had friends from different races, different backgrounds. Um, LGBTQ, like they knew they were always welcome at our house. You know, it's just, my parents are weird. (laughs) 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 Which, um... Okay, sorry about that technical difficulty, but we're back. That's fine. So the last book that I wanted to recommend was Rapture Practice, because growing up very similar to the author, um, and having friends who grew up in that similar environment, and students who grew up in that similar environment, it's, it's it's... Yeah, and you felt seen, but also it gave you an eye in, in a window, like you were talking about yeah. with windows, mm-hmm. into like what it would have been like to be queer in that environment that you grew up in. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it helped me knowing when my daughter came out, knowing that um, she must have been as afraid as the character in the book, like yeah. to come out and to talk to me and. I try to make her as comfortable as I could, and and the response that, um, I I think I gave her a good response. We have a great relationship, but (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's hard. It's hard to be a kid, and you know it's hard to talk to your parents whether it's about your sexuality or about something stupid that you did, or (laughs) (laughs) it's just hard. It's hard to talk to your parents as an adult. Right? I mean... <laughs> yeah, well, when you get to be my age, it's like, listen, lady, listen down. <laughs> I'm starting to get there with, yeah. with, with my mom as an adult. Um, I, well, I have to ask, because I know students are going to come in asking for it this year. Have you read Heartstopper? No. 
do you I have, have it in the media center? Um, I actually caught me off guard. I got to check because okay. um, we did get. I do have a shipment that hasn't come in. One thing that you might find. Thank you for bringing that up. One thing that you might <laughs> might you might find that a lot of the books that you are ordering may or may not come in. Amazon obviously has a huge selection, but if you yeah. go to your local Barnes and Noble or your local. Um, books a million or even your independent bookstore the shelves might yeah. not be as full as they used to be there is a paper shortage okay so if you can't just like find... there's a shortage of everything right now right yeah yes okay but it's, it's bad i'm still waiting on yeah. on a shipment from last year wow yeah okay so that's why the like one hundred dollar omnibuses of like Marvel comics that I've ordered yeah. have not come in as fast as yes, I've ordered them. That is okay. correct. Okay. <laughs> I am anticipating, and with all this political stuff going on, that we can't order anything. That's like another layer of delay too. Well, and yeah. according to the state of Florida, we can't order books until we go through the training. The state of Florida is not going to make that training available until January. Of course. Uh huh. Yeah, so, so now that's like six months of no new books. Exactly. And then we order them. Mm-hmm. And then... All the while... We wait for them. New books are still coming out. Exactly. Right? Uh, so, well, if you did the e... The e-books would at least come right away, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So that's so why least, I'm... Yeah. We're going to get probably half our books in e-books and audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you want to help your teachers, if you want to help your media specialist check out their Amazon lists because I was able to add about 12 books last week mm-hmm. from uh, my Amazon list. I had very good donors. I went to Twitter and I had people I don't know but wanted to help our library. I basically put it out there. I was like, listen, we're not going to be able to order books until next year. And our kids, yeah. and, and it's and it's all good. I'm like, it's sequels and it's it's books that the kids have been waiting for. Yeah, they're like I need the next. I need to know what happens next. Yeah, and, and it's and they're books that are approved already because they're yeah. on my list that they that hasn't been here yet. It hasn't yeah. arrived yet. Or like another school might already have them, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, I was able, I'm able to get those books to them. So, I guess what you're saying, moral of the story is, if you have the money, donate to your local library and your local school's libraries. Please, yes, look at their lists. If you're a parent. Uh, Talk. Learn before you complain. And, and talk. <laughs> and a- talk. Ask questions. And ask questions. And have yeah. that conversation, which is one of the things that I said, well, I didn't say it, a colleague of mine said it um, at the last school board meetings. Like, yeah. we want to have that, those conversations with you. Yeah. We, we, if you have a question or if you have a concern, please talk to us. Mm-hmm. We are more than happy to open up that communication. Yep. Teachers need to collaborate, we, and then which they already do, but more, yeah, and work with it. those media specialists. And then students, you have resources. Yes. Talk to your librarian or media specialist. Go to your public library um, and use those online resources because yes. there's a lot of them out there. And there's no judgment. Yeah. You know, questions that you have, anything that you're looking for, there's really no, no judgment. Um, well, that's the beautiful thing about a book, right? Yeah. It's just the, the conversation is just you and the book. And maybe the media specialist has to check it out to you, but oh, yeah, and, and you forget, yeah. you forget, yeah. you forget. You're reading a book, you just get immersed in it. Like a lot of kids mm-hmm. tell me, "Well, I don't like to have the feel of the book in my hand. I don't like e-books." And I always tell them, "If it's a good book, you're gonna forget you're reading any book," because yep. I do. Yeah, I forget. I'm mm-hmm. on my Kindle. 
The funniest thing is when you have it on your phone mm-hmm. and you're reading a book and you're getting sucked into it and someone thinks doesn't realize you're reading a book yeah. and they're like, what are you looking at on your phone? And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm reading. Like the, and mm-hmm. because it, you really can, like books are real life time machines oh, and yeah. portals to other worlds that we have right here in front of us. Absolutely. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to share with um, the audience? I just want to say that even though things are hard right now, I am surrounded by amazing educators and a great administration and love on your teachers because... Especially the good ones who are working hard. Yes, yeah. it is hard. And there's a teacher shortage, like you've all heard in the news. And I don't blame them. I get it. But if we all leave, what's going to happen to the kids? And just yep. know that... your kids teachers everything that we do we do for the kids at the end of the day we do it for the kids we don't do it for the recognition we don't do it I definitely don't do it for the money yeah we do it for the kids yeah and a little trust and goes a long way Mm -hmm. so that's it well um the are you a social media person I am our library is um Library is T. Oh, no, we're not going to share what school. I'm not going to spill the tea. <laughs> I am not going to spill the tea. Um, uh, but you can follow me at Sparked Librarian. Okay, so if they want to find you, which I guess they'll find what school you work at. No, actually, no. no. My, oh, that's my okay. personal um, Twitter and Instagram. Okay, and at I don't have Sparked any. Librarian. Mm-hmm. Okay, is that are the vowels in there? or yeah. Okay. Um, and what will they find you doing on social media? Um, Talking a lot about oh books? Oh my gosh, or... uh, a lot about books. <laughs> um, if it's the day after school board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Some tea spilling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, yes, talking about um, amazing books and the amazing educators that I work with. Um, Florida Freedom to Read. Is, oh, that's another resource. I totally forgot. Go to Florida Freedom to Read. They have, go to their Twitter page, their Instagram. They're fighting the good fight. They are um, questioning these laws and they're fighting back. And they just had two events um, for media specialists to get books in their library. Especially for those um, counties that decided that librarians could not add books to their collection until they take the... um, the training in January. Of yeah. Um, I'm very, very blessed that our library media supervisor, she trusts us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I can still add books. As long as I don't break the law, I can still add books. So. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, is like these laws are breaking the law. Like mm-hmm. not to circle back to that, but yeah. like it is written in law that like we have to allow students to ac- access to diverse points of view exactly and that we cannot um exclude students for any reason like in the classroom and yet the laws they're writing are attempting to do that so yeah it's all politically motivated unfortunately yeah Yeah. um but there's hope yes the hope in those teachers and the professionals like yourself that are and you that are thank you yeah (laughs) that are that are they're putting in the work to make sure that their students get the best education that they can that's right 
so thank you, Tanya, thank for you. coming on uh, to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, it goes with me on my the, walks. <laughs> I, I appreciate you um, and everything that you do. You too. And uh, that we need more people like you, more allies like you out there. And I am, like I said, I'm on the presence of greatness with the teachers that we have. And um, I'll, you guys have me for as long as you have me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe we'll have you on again. Um, maybe we'll talk about something else. Or yeah, yeah, we can talk about Marvel. I'm not as yeah. worse as you, but I do like it. <laughs> yes. Um, well, yeah, awesome. Thank you. And, oh, we can uh, talk about Sandman. Oh, yeah, I need to watch it first. Yes. <laughs> Okay, it is time for our segment I lovingly call But Is She Gay? In this segment of Pop Culture Fae, I discuss how our weekly topic speaks to the queer condition. So um, our topic this week, we I had two kind of mini topics this week. First of all, Lightyear. Um, definitely textually gay, but not really enough to certainly not enough that people should have been upset over i mean i don't think anybody should be upset over queer representation quite frankly and if you are i mean whatever but um there is a lesbian kiss in a montage uh it's not something that i would i would never say i would never say oh lightyear has a like gay representation in it, you should go watch it. I would tell somebody Lightyear is an interesting, beautiful, beautifully animated sci-fi movie. You should watch it for that reason. Um, so is she gay? Uh, Lightyear? Mm, not really. <laughs> and then in terms of the topic of queer literature in schools. I mean, there are queer kids in schools and they want queer literature. So, but is she gay? Yeah. <laughs> There's gay people everywhere and they want access to um, media that represents themselves and their friends want to read stuff that represent their friends. Uh, and I think queer parents or parents of queer children should want to read books that feature queer characters so they can get an idea of what it's like to walk in their kids' shoes. Um, yeah, queer people are people that exist. And so that should be reflected in the media that we are able to read in all walks of life, including public schools and public libraries. Uh, so yeah, she gay. <laughs> in terms of my weekly recommendations for this week, my comic book recommendation uh, we're talking about great science fiction um, in terms of the kind of touchstones that I think Lightyear is really kind of living in the space of. In terms of great comic book science fiction, I definitely have to recommend the Marvel event from the mid-2000s, Marvel, uh, Marvel's Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest events. Uh, for anybody who is looking to get into reading marvel cosmic um comics any kind of guardians of the galaxy comics or silver surfer this is a great window into that world you really 
um, get to know a little bit about all the different major alien empires that exist in this the Marvel Universe. Uh, and it's just a fun event uh, with, that is like galaxy spanning. So definitely a great comics recommendation right there. For my TV recommendation, uh, I am going to recommend watching Dimension 20 Court of Fate and Flowers. This is their new season. If you're not familiar with Dimension 20, it is a recorded D&D uh, show. It's not a live stream like Critical Role. It's like pre-recorded, but it is a fun um, Dungeons and Dragons show that you can find on the streaming service Dropout. So it's a little kind of hard to get to if you have never used that service before and you don't want to pay for it. Um, but the new season, Court of Fate and Flowers, is set in the Feywild and deals with fairies. I love, obviously, because of the name of this podcast. And uh, it is just wonderful, great acting, um, such fun, uh, such a, a great look at how you can have a very role-play-driven campaign uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, wonderful. Uh, and then my film recommendation for today is Lightyear. If you have not seen it, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, go watch it. Give it a watch and um, see what you think about it. Especially if you're someone who um, was born in like the 80s or the 90s. I was born in the 90s, and you grew up with that kind of era of science fiction. Definitely, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on how it kind of takes a cue from that. It really feels like this is a movie that Andy could have watched in the 90s. Um, definitely for sure. So that is my recommendations for this week. Alrighty, thank you for joining me today in talking about Lightyear and for joining my conversation with the lovely Tanya Galignanes, uh talking about everything going on with uh, media censorship in the Florida public school system. Uh, definitely check out those authors and books that she recommended and um, definitely see how you can support your local um, school media centers or public libraries because um, people need access to diverse media and um, they need to be able to see themselves in the stuff that they read. That's really important. Um, if you are listening and enjoying the podcast, please give it a review on your podcasting platform. Uh, that will really help. If you leave a question in a five-star review, I will answer it next week on the podcast. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to help grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook. And for more Pop Culture Fay, you can head to my website, popculturefay.com, for blog posts and more content. Uh, I am very excited for our episode next week. I will be looking back and discussing one of my favorite shows of all time, Once Upon a Time, with my 
best friend in the world, Samantha Perez. I hope that you all have a fantastic day, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of pop culture fate.